Good to see you this morning. Glad that you showed up here. It is a beautiful day. It's a beautiful weekend. I know summer travel, going to the beach or whatever, but I'm glad that you're here. We're going to have a fantastic time this morning looking into the Word of God. We're going to start a four-week series entitled, He Did It. I just want us to look at this idea over the next four weeks that God is the one who did miraculous works. He's the one who is working. It's all about Him. Frankly, if you wanted to sum up the Bible in three words, those might be three great words right there. He did it. He did it. It's all about Him. Just saying. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm 78. And I want you to look at this psalm with me. We're going to be in this one psalm for the next four weeks. And if you look at it, we're not going to get through the whole thing today. And you might be, shoo, I was hoping to get home uh, before dinner. It's a, it's a lengthy psalm. That's why it's going to take a few weeks to get through this. We're going to see that in this psalm, this is saying, people, I just want you to know that God did it. He gets all the credit. And yet, as I look at us and consider us, uh, I am reminded that God did it in your life. There are some great stories in the, I just heard another one this morning that one of our own in sharing the gospel, sharing the truth with another person over the last few weeks and month this last week, someone said, I have a need for Jesus. I want to believe in the Jesus that you are talking about that you have in your life. God did that and he does that through ordinary people when we are obedient to him. And so I'm, I'm just grateful for it. When I heard that, I'm like, yeah, God, you just like I say, you did that. And so what I want to do is I want to share some great stories in the coming weeks, specifically on June 17th. We're going to call this Look Back Sunday. I want you to be part of this. I want you to start writing out some stories. I shared some of this last week. I'll share more today. But I want you to get involved. I want you to share some stories so that we can hear of how God has worked. Because just looking around the room, I'm like, oh, I, I know some of your stories. God has worked in miraculous ways even this year. He has answered prayers. He has brought blessing. Even in the allowance of pain, God has been growing your faith in him. He did it. And so we are going to consider this idea that today has performed wonders worth remembering. God has performed wonders worth remembering. God has done this in your life. We're going to see he's done this in the nation of Israel. We can think back throughout all humanity that God has performed wonders remembering. And you really have a choice with this. Either you can forgive this or you can remember this. You can forget this and, and that would cause lifelessness. You can just move on as if nothing happened. God did great things. You could forget them or you could remember them, which is like a tree that is flowering, a tree that is growing and producing fruit. If we forget, it could lead to failure. If we remember, it can lead to much success and growth. And to me, it seems like a no-brainer. The option of remembering is the best possible option. And I want to show you this today as we look at Psalm 78. So if you have your Bibles, follow along with me. I want to read a few here today. I'm going to start by reading just the first four. And I want to share a thought with you. Follow along. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Asaph is writing this. He's basically a worship director for the nation of Israel. David writes most of these psalms, but this one, a worship director saying, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. 
I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. We'll stop there. There was a word that hit my attention when I was reading this, and it's the word incline. Some of your Bibles, maybe in that translation, didn't have incline, but you had hear this and listen. But the idea is that you are going to actively listen. You're actively listen. Here would be the phrase I'd like you to write down, to lean in and listen. To lean in and listen. Asaph is saying, I want you to lean into what I'm saying. I, I want to see actually in your bodies here. Because when I say lean in and listen, this is not a time to sit back with your arms folded. But this would be the time to be like right on the edge of your seat. Show me what lean in and listen. Yeah, you're doing that. Good, good, good. All right, yes, lean in and, oh, don't drop back. Lean in and stay leaned in, all right? This is what the psalmist is saying. He says, don't just slouch over. I got something to say to you. I thought, now my wife heard this first service. I thought, she's probably going to use this now with me. Well, Scott, I want you to hear this. And then I just stay in my normal position watching TV or doing something else. She's going to say, incline your ear to me. I want you to lean in and listen. I want you to, yeah, you're doing it right there. Like hands right on the air. About a month ago, I saw a young girl. She sat the whole message back there. Just listening the whole time, leaning in, inclining her ear to listen. That's the way to listen. The psalmist says, I've got some good stuff to say. You can see how much he has to say in Psalm 78. He says, lean in and listen. And this is where we want to start today. Because I don't think I'm the only bad listener. Men kind of, in general, are bad listeners. Amen that, women. But, you know, we are. And frankly, we're all of us, male or female, we can be bad listeners. We would rather talk about ourselves than actually listen to somebody else. Just talking and we start thinking of the own, our own story that we want to tell as opposed to actively leaning in to listen. The psalmist says, let me start here with you. I want you to lean in and listen. Listen to what? Two, follow along. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. If this first part is, he says, the input is that you need to lean in and listen. This is how you get it. The output that you need to step up and share. Write this down if you would. He says the first part is, yes, you need to be ones who lean in and listen to what the Lord would have. Lean in and listen to me, he's saying. But there's going to be an outcome. There's going to be put in the ideas that you're going to need to step up and share what you've heard. Now, if you don't hear, it's hard to share. That, so that's why we need to lean in. But we also need to step up and share. Share what? Look at verse 4 with me. We will not hide from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. The idea is that we're going to step up and share that God has done it. 
We're not going to step up and share that we did it. We're not going to just ignore things, but we're going to actually step up, share that God has done it. God is the one who has been working. He's the one who's been working in my life. He's been one holding this planet together. First, lean in, listen, step up and share. Look back for you. That means this past year. I asked you to do this last week, and I'm going to talk about it again. There's a homework assignment I want you to have. And I want you to lean in and listen as the Holy Spirit of God tells you where he has guided you this year. I want you to think of the difficulties that he has brought you through. I want you to think about the good times he has brought you through. But you're going to have to lean in to hear it. You're going to have to lean in to reflect. You might have to open up your journal to figure out where you... You might have to go to Facebook. Yeah, I'm actually telling you to go to Facebook. Go to Facebook and look at your pictures and see the things that were stressing you out, wearing you out. The things you were grateful for. Where have you been? Lean in and listen where they brought you. So that you could step up and share it. To share the fact that God has brought you through much, even this past year. Now verse 5. It says this, He established testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. Jacob's referring to this nation. He established a testimony, appointed a law for this nation, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. This is what God said, teach this to your children, that the next generation might know them. I am finding out more and more that God is very interested in us knowing, and not only us leaning in and listening to know, but that we'd step up and share so that others... When I hear about this person who leads somebody to the Lord this past week, it's obvious that he was leaning in to listen and intake, and then stepping up to share. You're like, well, who's my mission field? Sometimes it's just your kids stepping up to share. How are you coaching them? How are you leading them? The idea is that we would let the next generation know. Verse 6, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. Catch this, verse 7, so that they should set their hope in God. This is why we share that they would know and set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. Not forget that he did it. So I'm leaning in to listen. I'm stepping up to share what? So that I would hope in him. You see, I, I need to make sure that I am hoping in God, that I am trusting in God, hoping in God's Son, Jesus Christ. But this would be my goal for my family. This would be my goal for you, that you would hope in God, that you would hope in His Son, Jesus Christ, that you would trust in Him. The problem is we forget what God has done and we hope in other things at times. Sometimes we say, oh, if I just find the right person, he will complete me or she will complete me. That, that can be a false God. If you think that anybody other than the living God who made you can complete you, you're in trouble. You're going to set a lofty standard for that person. They can't reach it. I'd say, you know what, if I just had a little more money, then I'd be satisfied No, a little more money will make you hungry for a little more money. It can be a false God. You could hope in other things more than you hope in God. And frankly, when you put your hope in a person or if you put your hope in possessions, you find out that actually there's no hope times. 
This person failed me. There's no hope. This possession failed me. There's no hope. Thomas says, we've got to share with our kids. We've got to not let them forget. We've got to remind them to hope in God. Or else, if they don't, they're going to hope in other things and it will be hopeless to them. So, lean in. Listen. Step up and share that God has done great things. And the best way to live life is to hope in Him or to trust in Him. I was thinking of Jeremiah in the Bible, and he writes a lament. We call it in our Bible, Lamentations. He writes a, a sad story. He's got the job from God to tell people to turn to God, and, and they're just not. And it's discouraging work. And he says this, I have no hope. I just want to pack it in. Raise your hand if you ever just say, I have no hope. Come on. I, I do at times. Like, it just feels hopeless. Whatever the situation is, Jesus starts feeling this way. It's hopeless. And then he says this in Lamentations chapter 3. But this I call to mind. He's like, but this I remember. This I call to mind. Therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies come to an end. They are new every single morning. Great is his faithfulness. But he has to call this to mind. He has to remember. Because when he doesn't remember, he feels like it's all hopeless. That's what the psalmist is saying here. If we don't remember what God has done, if we forget that he has done great works, it can lead to hopelessness. Verse 7. So it says, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the word, but keep his commandments. Verse 8. That they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Verse 9, the Ephites, this is part of the 12 tribes of Israel. They'd go, oh yeah, we, this is, okay. The Ephraimites, part of this nation of Israel, they armed with bow. They turned back on the day of battle. That doesn't have a thing to do. If you're armed with a bow, you, you should be going into battle. They, they turned back. Then keep reading. It says, they did not keep God's covenant. They refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. The psalmist says, here's a story about your people, about you. They forgot what God had done. They forgot that he had provided so many. They forgot that he had sustained in so many ways. And when they went to battle, they were like, ah! and they ran the other way. And the idea was that they, they turned back. They didn't keep the covenant. They didn't walk in of God. Write this phrase down, if you would, that forgetfulness leads to faithlessness. Forgetting what God has done can lead to a lack of faith, a lack of trust. When you forget how God has graciously provided in your life, when you forget that, it's pretty easy to lose faith. But if you remember that God has done it, oh yeah, he did it. I'm going to remember this and believe it. When you remember that, it's easier to believe, I've seen him do it. Once I've seen him do it, a bunch of times, I'm confident he'll do it again. He says, these people, they, they turned back. They did not keep God's covenant. They refused to walk according to his law. He ties this to their forgetfulness. So I then started thinking of as parents, all right? 
we have our kids, we raise them and we remind them of certain things and okay, here's the plan. I remember telling one of my kids and it's not one of you two. And when he was growing up, I'd say, okay, good night, stay in bed. And he'd get up, he'd almost beat me back in my bedroom. Are the doors locked? I'm like, yes, the doors are locked. Are the windows locked? I'm like, now get to bed. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get in bed. This is what I want. I don't want you to turn back from this bedroom. I want you to stay in this bedroom. Sure enough, he'd come back. But did you remember that door? I'm like, yes, I've done it last night. I did it the night before. I've been doing it since you were, before you were born. I got this under control. He'd keep turning back. Like, just stay in your room. Nation of Israel is like that. You and I are kind of that way. Too. We see this with our kids. We see this with our own hearts. God says, do this. And we're like, but God. And we turn back from where we're supposed to be. I thought about this as well. Sometimes with our kids, we say, okay, we've got an agreement. You're going to clean your room. I'm going to go do this. You're going to clean your room. I'll be back and we'll check on it. And th yep, that's fine. 30 minutes later, we find out what? They haven't cleaned any of the room. We're breaking a covenant here. We're breaking a relationship. We're, we're breaking a plan. I clean your room. This isn't just my kids, right? I mean, amen. Your kids are this way. They're breaking a the covenant. They're forgetting, wait, uh, mom and dad are kings and queen of the castle. They're the ones who have taken care of me. They've always provided for me. They have sustained me. When they ask me to do something, I'm supposed to do that. I made an agreement that I'd do that, and we, the kids forget. But I don't think it's just the kids. We kind of do this with God, don't we? Or this idea we told our kids, eat your vegetables, do things like this. All right? Be home by 10 or 11 or 12. Walk in my ways. Do what I'm asking you to do. And sometimes it was just a, no. It's like, what? You know, this is why I have no hair. All right? I'm pulling it out. It's like you're not walking in my ways. You're not keeping in my covenant. You're, you're breaking this relationship. You're turning where we had, I had told you to go. I thought, this is what the psalmist is saying. He says, listen up, people. Listen up. Incline your ear into me. Maybe you didn't hear it very well, so I'm going to say, incline your ear. Lean in and listen to this. I don't want you to say, oh, I don't remember hearing that. I, I want you to know this one. I want you to know that God has provided you, that God has sustained you. And you and your forefathers were people who just quickly turned back from where we're supposed to go, that we would break covenant in a relationship, that we would, that we would refuse to walk in your ways. I think all of these are symptoms of forgetting. Symptoms of forgetting. Did you hear me say clean your room? Oh, uh, I don't know. Okay, then lean in and listen here. Because when you forget who, when you forget that I have taken care of you, when you forget that I am in charge and I will take care of you, you know, we tend to go a different way and, and go our own way. The psalmist is saying, here's what happens. You and I forget who God is. We forget that he did it. We forget that he's in control. And we're like, I think i got to go my own way. I, I break a promise that I made to you. I refuse at times to go your way. Forget who the authority is. It's a symptom of forgetting that God did it. He's the creator. He did that. 
be blown away. He did that. He provided for you. He did that, and he does that. He is sustained. He did that, and he's doing that. He is God alone. So let's make this a little personal here. Let me ask you this question. Why do you lack faith in God? Why do you have a difficult time trusting God? Like, Scott, you don't know my issue. It's really big. I, I bet it is really big. But your God is much bigger. And he has done it. He has shown himself faithful. So you're like, but I think he's forgotten about me. Then you need to go back, incline your ear to this, and remember his goodness in your life. Just start with this last year. He has shown you goodness this past year. Why do you turn back? Well, I just want to make sure he's got the doors locked. I want to make sure he's got the window shut. I just want to make... He does. He's done it before and he'll continue to do it. Why do you break covenant with him? Why, why don't you follow his ways? My ways are better. My way. No. You see, you and I, I think, forget so many times that God did it. God did what? Yeah, he created the world. But I mean, look at the cross. God did that. He did that for us. You want to know if God loves you? Look at the cross. He said, I'm going to send my son. He did that. He did it. Don't forget this. And yet if we would remember, if we would call this to mind, check out these words, the glorious deeds of God. He's telling the nation of Israel, think about the glorious deeds of God. You have them in your own life. His might, you have in your own life. The wonders that he has done, you have those in your life if you'd reflect on that. Then we could be like Jeremiah and even though we're overwhelmed at times, say, but this I call to mind. What I remember. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I've seen it so many times. If I have to go back 2,000 years and look across, I'll do that. But I'll tell you, he has shown you this over the last year. He's shown you this over time. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness because, God, you have done it. He's performed wonders worth remembering in your life. Verse 11. But notice what the psalmist says as he's instructing the people. Now incline your ear to this. He says, they forgot his works, wonders that he had done. That he had shown them. Verse 12. In the sight of their fathers he performed wonders in the land of Egypt. Go back and read Exodus chapters 12, 13, 14. Understand the miraculous rescue that God provided them. It says he, they forgot the wonders he performed in the land of Egypt. In the fields of Zon. That's a city in Egypt. He divided the sea and let them pass through it. And made the waters stand up like a heap. Sometimes we go, oh yeah, I remember that story. Imagine this, if you would. All right? You're leaving your land of slavery. You come to the Red Sea. The army is coming after you thinking, nah, we want them back. They're coming. And what do we do? How do we cross this? If we had to, because the enemy was coming after us, cross the Willamette River here with no bridges. Be like, uh, I ain't swimming across that. I can't do that. We're talking a little river. We're talking a big body of water. God opens that up. They cross through that. While their enemies are in there, they, it covers and envelops them. Don't forget that. 
And then they forgot. They said, I don't know if God really cares about us. <laughs> I don't know if God remembers us. I don't know if God notices me. Remember this, he says. God performed great miracles to save the chosen people from Egypt. Miraculous saving. It's as if the psalmist is saying this, and, and here's a phrase for us. Remember your rescue. Remember your rescue. Okay? You remember yours. He's telling this to the nation. Yes, remember the great rescue, but you remember yours. Every single one of you in this room, remember your rescue. What's your rescue? There are a lot of great stories. Some of them are rescues, like, well, this last year, it was this and this and this. And those are huge. So I just started thinking about some of my rescues, ways that God has rescued me in my life. The first one that came to mind, I, I think I was about third or fourth grade. We had a little creek running through our house, or running not through the house, behind the house. That'd be weird if it ran through the house. It ran behind our house. We had this little creek, and then we'd go up to the neighbor kid's house, and we'd enter tube down to our house. We always had to stop at our house because if it went around this turn, I was told by my dad that it ended up in the Pacific Ocean. You don't want to go there, so just stop here. You know, I'm a little third grader. I'm like, okay, I... So we start at the friend's house, and we get down here to the place to get dropped off, and the current took me around the corner, and I started screaming to my buddy, help me, I'm going to die, I'm going to the Pacific Ocean, there are sharks there, you know, and I just started panicking, and he says, put your feet, and I'm like, I'm going to die, and he screams at me, just put your feet down, help me, I'm going to die, and he screams out one more time, put your feet down, and so I put my feet down, into a foot of water. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, you saved me. I was about ready to be swept away into the Atlantic Ocean, you know, and I was going to go to Hawaii, you know. And, oh, oh. I mean, I, and I told them, I owe you my life. And I thought, oh, that, that was a big moment. That was a big moment for me. It was kind of a funny rescue because maybe it wasn't as bad off as I thought, but... There have been other moments where I was worse off. I remember probably being about four or five years old. My mom was screaming at me, probably the same way my friend was years later, but she was screaming at me as I almost got into a car, which we think was somebody trying to abduct me. All right? She's like, get over, Cody! And I go running home, and the guy goes tearing off in the car, and I'm like, what was that all about? God, I mean, how would my life, how would my life have been different had I been abducted? It been, I don't know. Thank you, thank you. I was thinking about a time I was driving a car my freshman year of college, staying up too late one night, waking up too early to go see a friend, and I'm driving north on I-5. There's three lanes, and I'm comfortable and a little tired, and I don't know when, but I woke up in the bike lane. Where there's a cliff off the side, just a drop off. And I wake up and that totally startled me. I look back and go, God, thank you. Uh, I could have hit somebody while I was asleep. I could have hit somebody walking along. I could have hit a parked car. I could have stayed awake or asleep a little longer and gone off the cliff. I don't know. Thank you. That was a rescue. And actually, as I look back, God's rescued me a bunch of times even in the past couple years. Just... God, thank you from these hopeless situations, from these depressing times. But then I think, you know what, my greatest rescue of all those 
is when the Spirit of God helped me see that I was a sinner. The Spirit of God helped me to confess my sin. The Spirit of God helped me to see Jesus to the point where I said, Jesus, I I believe in what you did on the cross. I I want that work applied to my heart. I, I know it all when I was eight years old, when I was praying prayers like that, but I know that God rescued from the dominion of darkness. God brought me into the kingdom of the son he loves. He did it. He did the rescue. And I can't forget that. You've got rescue moments too. You've got some of them this past year. It's like, God, you provided when there was no way out. Five years ago you did that and I was doomed. I was a self-centered person my own way until you convicted me of my sin and helped me see the light, the fact that I needed Jesus. Remember your rescue. Remember your rescue. You, you've had those. And the problem is when we just forget and like, I'm my own person, I'm good. When we forget that, it leads to faithlessness. And the psalmist says, you've got to remember what God has done. Look here, verse 13. says, people, incline your ear, lean into this. He divided the sea and let them pass through it. He made the water stand up like a heap. You've got to remember who did what. You've got to remember that Jesus paid a debt that he owed because you owed a debt that you couldn't pay. You can't forget this. You've got to remember the rescue. You've got to remember who did what and how he did it. 14. It says, in the daytime, incline your ear to this, lean into this. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud. This cloud, this is how he did it. And all the night with a fiery light. I mean, they're walking. There's no electricity. They need where to go. He was guiding them for 40 years after their rescue. He was guiding them. This is how he did it. Check this out in verse 15. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. They were thirsty. They're like, no stop and save. How am I supposed to get my Arnold Palmer or my Red Bull? And he goes, listen, I'm just going to open up a rock and you're going to drink the best water you've ever had. God did this. Verse 16, he made streams come out of the rock, caused water to flow down like rivers. See, the idea is not just remember your rescue. I think he's saying to them, you've got to remember the journey. You've got to remember the journey that God has had you on. Not just that one rescue where you got out of Egypt, but the journey you were on for 40 years. Yeah, remember the rescue, but remember the journey you're on. Remember the journey of this past year. I look out in this room. I just know some of your stories. I, I see a lot of changes have happened this last year. A lot of difficulties have happened this last year. Remember your journey. Because if you're forgetful of this, it could lead to hopelessness. Lack of faith that God will show up the next time. God led you through the daytime. God led you when it was good and you can see. He did that. But he led you through the night when you couldn't see. He did that. He's provided for you. In fact, some of you would testify, he's provided miraculously for me. He did it. He did. And if we're not careful, our forgetfulness is going to lead to fastness. To forget the mighty acts of God. But when we remember and believe, that's where life is. That's where life is. 
want to finish today by asking some of the same questions I asked last week. Asking you to do a homework assignment to remember. This is going to be good for you. It's going to be good for our church, but it will be good for your own soul. I want you to answer these four questions. I want you to consider writing them into a 100-word story. That's actually a small story. Somebody was here last week and heard this and wrote an email to us and said, I'm actually Fornia. I'm not going to be back to here the next four weeks. I won't be here on June 17th, but I want you to hear my 100-word story about how God did it. I want you to hear what God has done. And it was like, she said, this was good for me to do this, but I hope this is good. I read it and I was just like, thank you, Lord, this is good for me. But here are the questions I'd like you to consider, consider asking as we look back to see God's guidance. As you look back this past year to see how God has guided your Question number one is this. What has God guided me through this year? You've got to ask this. What has he guided you through? Some of you had, had job changes. You were like, oh, I didn't know how this was going to work out. You know, and it's like, I'm starting to see some of this. We're okay. Some of you have had to move, and you were like, I don't know how this is going to work out, and you're starting to see, I, I, I think this is going to work out. Some of you have, frankly, all of us have gone off journeys, and you look back and said, I didn't have a clue how this was going to work out. God's saying, I gotcha, I did this. Some of you have had changes. Some of you have had relationship changes. Some of you have had a heartache. You've had journeys with your children, with your spouses. And I'm not saying that we are positively on the other side of some of these. Okay, some of you are in the of crud right now. I get that. But if you look back, you will see, you know what? He's done it before. He'll do it again. He's rescued me before. He'll rescue me again. He's been faithful to me before. He'll be faithful to me again. He's sustained me, he'll do it. He's provided, he'll continue to do it. Even when you can't see it right now. He's brought some of you great peace. In the middle of a storm, he's brought you great joy. When no one would think you should have that, he's held you when that's what you needed. What has God guided me through this year? Secondly, I want you to answer this question, how? How did God guide me through? Because I think this honoring to not only see what he has done, but how he has done it. You're going to find out he has used his own word. He's used his word as you've read it, as you've heard it taught, as you've gone to Bible studies, as other people have spoken it to you, as you've heard this. And but he's used his word, he's used his spirit, he's used his people. You go, you know what, this is how. I was reflecting on this and said, this passage of scripture really blessed me. This song really blessed me. These people have blessed me. You're going to find that you don't, 100 words you can't. <laughs> but you can start with that. How has he done this? Third, when and how did I realize that God was guiding? When and how did I realize this? What were the epiphanies? What were the situations? I'll tell you, it was usually a difficulty. It was usually, they'd get to the Jordan River and like, How's this going to happen? We, we're in trouble now. Boom. God opens it up. There was probably a time you were like, man, I realized I was in big trouble. Yeah. God uses those moments, right? And you and I are praying for God. I don't want any trouble. He's like, if you don't have any trouble, then how am I going to show you anything? Last question. 
This is a faith question. How might God use this for his glory? How might God use this for his glory? Where you say, I don't know. He is. He's going to do this so that people look at this situation and go, God alone. He takes them to the, or the Israelites' brink of the Red Sea. If he would have just brought them to a little stream, they'd go, man, we did it. We're so good. He's like, no, I bring you to impossible situations to show you that I did it. I'm going to bring you to heartache that you can't resolve to show you that I did it. I'm going to bring you into these things that you're saying, I'm praying against him. He goes, I, I want these difficult situations so that I alone get the glory. The, the name of this series is not, I did it. The name of this series is not, man, look at me. I, I am the conqueror. No, it's, I did it. I can't wait to see more and more stories flooding in. Email them to us if you would. You see on the bottom of your notes, I think, I can't remember where I put this, but you got to write, email this to us. Take us off the worship program. Tell us your stories. Frankly, start, before you want to share them with us, share them with your family. Just say, let me tell you where I've been. Let me tell you what God has brought me through. Let me tell you how he is. He did it. And try to put it into 100 words. You're like, that might be the toughest part of the whole thing. But here's what's going to happen as we do this. We're going to see this. Is that God is the one who's been providing. God is the one who's been sustaining. God is the one who's been carrying us. He's the one who's guiding us. And he's the one who's going to get the glory. You're like, I don't know how this problem. Just trust God. He's going to glorify himself in this. To grow your faith. He's going to grow your roots. For his glory. For his glory. I'm going to ask that you reflect on this with me for a moment and pray with me. But I'd like to hear your story in the next few days, the next few weeks. I want you to make time to do this. Don't tell me you don't have time to remember God's faithfulness in your life. Don't tell me you don't have to reflect on this. You do. You need to. Because Heavenly Father, we, you've been so good to us. You have done so much. We look back at the history of the nation of Israel and their story is our story. A story of people who want to go our own way, but you rescue. People who have a hard heart, but you give them a new heart. God, you provided by sending your Son who would take on our sins so that we could have forgiveness. You've done it over and over and over. And you've done it this past year. God, I, I ask that you speak against any voices would say, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was a big deal for you. And it honors God when you it. Step up and share this. Share it with your family. Share it with those close to you. Share it with your church. So God, I ask that you would cause us to lean in and listen as you show us, guided us. That you would cause us to step up and share this because you're going to be the hero of this story. It's not us, it's you. You've provided. You've done it once. You're going to keep doing it. You've sustained us multiple times. You're going to continue to do this. 
So God, help us to see this. For those that are here and maybe realizing for some of the first times, uh, maybe it was God who has been working in my life. God, I ask that you would hold them, that you would break them to see that you've been the one guiding. Help us all to see that. Help us all to look back and to give thanks, to remember. Because you are, you're perfect in all your ways. Even difficult ways. You're perfect in all your ways. So church, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask that you stand just as a physical declaration with your own body. Just like, God, I'm standing to say, yes, you have it. I acknowledge that you are the one who has shown love and compassion and grace. You have rescued. Just declaring with the strength that you've given me. God, the fact that we could even see is because you did it. You've given us life and breath in our lungs. You've given us strength. So we just declare today that you are the God who has done great things in our life. We love you. And we commit all this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.